Hi, and welcome to the podcast ministry of New Life Church in Springfield, Ohio. We hope that the transformative truths of God's Word impact, challenge, and bless you. From this passage of Scripture in Matthew 18. Matthew 18. It's not quite a, a parable, I, I don't guess, but uh, it's some, some biblical teaching. And uh, hopefully we'll keep it short and sweet and to the point, and it'll be an encouragement to your heart. Amen? Amen. Matthew 18, verse 1. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, Who then is the greatest, somebody say greatest, in the kingdom of heaven? Then Jesus called a little child to him and set him in the midst of them and said, Assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. You've got to unlearn a whole lot of what you think you know. Verse 4 says, Therefore, whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives one little child like this in my name receives me. So two very important things right there. Uh, if you receive one little child, if you treat children good, then, uh, then you've treated me good. It's a big deal. It's a big deal in a culture... Um, which, uh, which does not value the life of children. One particular uh, you know, governor you know, has, has, you know, has made the, you know, the statement, as mind-boggling as this is, that if, you know, if a procedure failed and, and, and a child has survived birth, he can be sitting there on the table breathing and crying out and wailing, and then there's still time for the doctor and whoever else to make a decision whether or not to keep this alive or not and it sounds almost like I'm making that up doesn't it that's Governor Ralph Ralph Northam who is right now in office word for word said that's that's fine we'll make a decision there's still time to make a decision so let me tell you whoever humbles himself as a child he's the greatest in the kingdom whoever receives one little child like this in my name receives me. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were drowned in the depths of the sea. Woe to the world because of offenses, but for, offense must, but for offenses must come, but woe to that man by whom the offenses come. If your hand or your foot causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you. It is better... For you to enter into the life, lame, into life lame or maimed, rather than to have two hands and two feet to be cast into everlasting fire. And if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you. It is better for you to enter into life with one eye rather than two eyes to be cast into hell fire. It's a lot right there, isn't it? So we'll kind of break that down and see what the Word of God is saying. Um, Let's bow our heads. So, Heavenly Father, we love you. We appreciate you. Help us, Lord, to, to glean from the, uh, from the pasture, Lord, that is your holy word, God. Help us to find nourishment, find correction, find encouragement uh, in your words, God. Help us to rightly divide it, God, because we know that no man is infallible, no preacher, no bishop, no teacher. But, God, help us to clearly understand and discuss the word of God and to glean your meaning and your will for our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 
So Jesus is actively discipling right now. That's, that's what he was doing. A lot of times um, you, can, uh, you see Jesus speaking to crowds and crowds of people, you know, 3,000 people or, you know, different ones. But, and then sometimes he's actually just talking to the boys, you know, or, you know, the, the, the group there. He's having a more of a, you know, a roundtable discussion. And that's what's going on here. He's talking to the people uh, that are closest to him. And sometimes the tone changes a little bit, you know. You know, you, you know what I mean? Sometimes, you know, you'll, you'll, if it's a huge group of people, but then other people you're more familiar with, um, the tone kind of changes because you can be a little more direct. You can really speak what's on your mind without having to uh, qualify everything, every single statement that you make. You know, sometimes you can just speak very plainly. And in Matthew 18, we find Jesus in a little bit of a mood, almost. You know, he, you can tell that there's some pretty strong uh, teaching and stuff that comes out here. He's doubling down and making some very strong statements. He's dealing with Peter in particular. And uh, th- this is kind of the illustration that I come up with, you know, in my modern day, best of my ability, you know, in parables. Um, Peter needs the hammer drill setting. Now, a handful of you will know what that means. Hammer drill setting. So whenever you are drilling through concrete, uh, you have to get a, a special bit, like with a diamond tip or, you know, something that's a, you know, really, really hard material if you're going to drill through it. Now, I thought that's all you needed. So I about wore out my arm and my drill on this, trying to push it through concrete. Man, I was just flexing. I was just trying to, so hard to force this thing through with my little drill. And I finally got it. Can you imagine? I finally drilled right through concrete. And then, it, you know, a whole project later, you know, I, I finished the whole construction project like that. And a whole, <laughs> Brother Johnny's shaking his head. He knows machines and tools. And then I found out that there's another kind of drill that you need, a hammer drill or a setting on some drills. And what it'll do is a you know, normal drill just go like that. Just go right through the wood just fine. The hammer drill will go, and it's almost invisible you know, to, the, to the eye, but it'll just as it drills, and it makes a world of difference. Oh, buddy, the first time that I used a hammer drill to get through concrete, I was like, you got to be kidding me. I about wore out my shoulder, you know, trying to drill through this because I didn't understand. I didn't have the right tool, and now, you know, maybe you'll, you know, don't, don't drill through concrete without a hammer drill, Mike. Okay? Sometimes we're like that. Some people are like that. And you know good and well that if you're going to get through to that person, you got to turn it to a different setting because some people would just be like, oh, okay, I hear you. Yeah, that makes sense. I, you know, and then some people, you know, it's gonna, you're, you're going to have to tussle. You're going to have to just really break it down with them. You're going to have to force them, you know, to understand and to get it through their head why it's got to be, you know, and, and what it is. You know, anybody know anyone like that? I do. <laughs> anybody like that? I think I can be like that sometimes. Once I get something, um, then it sticks with me. But sometimes it's hard for me to take on new concepts. You know, Brother Johnny, I don't know if that's what you, you're kind of meaning. Like, once you get it, you know, it's locked in. But it takes me a while sometimes to get it. Peter is certainly that way. And so are a lot of the disciples. So Jesus really uses some strong languages, some, some superlatives. And I thought about that, how you have to use a different setting. Um, Peter and these knucklehead disciples, they need a tougher form of teaching just like we as Christians can sometimes. Amen? Because I love this church and I love you people, but sometimes whenever we, I, I know that whenever we've all heard 
I mean, Sister Brittany, how many sermons do you think you've heard in your life? <laughs> Since she was in the womb. Right. Amen. And, and some of us are like that. Some are not. I mean, Sister Phillips, if you had to guess, how many times have you, have you, you know, read through the Bible? 30, 40 times. Whew, that's what I'm talking about. It's awesome. Brother Johnny, how many revival services have you been to? Can't count them. So, but how many of us are perfect? How many of us have arrived? And we just, we, we know what the word says. We know what's up. We know how it's done. And, and, and don't nobody try and tell us nothing. That sermon was for whoever else. And I'm only here to back you up and look good. That is not any one person, but it is a spirit. It's an attitude that, you know, that, that can try and tempt the believer. Because we don't have it all together. Amen? I cannot tell you how many times that I've been preparing the message and had to text somebody and say, Lord wants me to preach this, and I don't feel like I can until I ask your forgiveness for this. Or maybe I just get right down there in my seat you know, while I'm working on and studying and praying and say, God, I'm not doing this like I ought to. I, I, you know, it's just not, not to the level that I could and that, that I'm called to. We, we, we need that as a church. We need for the Holy Spirit to soften the ground and get right down into where we're living sometimes and minister to us because it's very easy for us to, you know, once we have the... the we have the information. We've had the experience before. We've heard it before. It's easy to just kind of toughen up and say, well, I'm the professional now and I don't need it. But we do. We need a constant check in our spirit. We need to, amen? We need to constantly be going under and throughout sanctification process because the moment we think that we're too far, man, we're in, we're in serious trouble. It's exactly what he's doing with these guys. And it is harder to teach people who already know stuff. Amen? But it's even harder to teach people who think they know stuff. I'm not talking about us right now. I'm actually, um, to quote Ronald Reagan, and you can look up the actual quote if you want to, so I will uh, make half of it. Ronald Reagan said that the trouble with some people isn't that they are ignorant. It's not that they don't know nothing. It's that they know so much that just ain't so. It's good stuff. Yeah, it's, it, the hard part is not dealing with people who don't know the answer. The hard part is dealing with people who do know the wrong answer, and they are just absolutely convinced, amen, that they don't need God, that they don't need Jesus, that they don't need uh, to submit to, you know, to, to his word and to his will. They don't need any of this because they've got it figured out on their own. That's, that's how it's harder, amen? So Jesus does some what I call superlative teaching. Now, superlative, anybody know what that word means? vaguely, kind of just by association, superlative. Yeah. Yep. Those are superlatives. Josh, give me a good definition of superlative. (laughs) All right, fine. Like a a superlative is, um, yeah, um, always, never, right? You know, just, it's the highest degree of something. It's just like, you know, straight to to the point. You never listen to me. Now, does he never listen to you? Or does he just not listen to you as much as you wish that he did listen to you? (laughs) You always say this. Does he always say that? Does she always say that? Or are we just kind of blowing it out of proportion and using superlatives to get our point across, right? Sometimes it's uh, that can be a negative thing. We gotta watch the superlatives. Watch 
you know, what we try and, you know, communicate with our words. Be careful. Superlative means the highest quality or degree. An exaggerated or hyperbolic expression. You know, the, you know, also a superlative is the bravest. Well, he's the bravest guy. You know, is he the, he's a, that's the strongest. That's the strongest coffee I ever had. It's the most extreme example you can make. And Jesus is making this extreme, extreme uh, statement throughout this passage of Scripture. And it, honestly, it's not him who starts it. It's the disciples because they push him to it. You know, <laughs> they always push him to it. And so, you know, they start out with a superlative. They say, uh, Jesus, um, quick question here. I, you know, I know we're working on some stuff, but uh, just had a quick question. Who's the greatest? Who's the greatest in your kingdom? Who's going who's gonna to be the, the who's going to be your top dog? Who's going to be the most, uh, you know, I mean, not you. Obviously, you're the greatest. But, I mean, who other than you? You don't count because, you know, we know you're the greatest. Who's, like, the us greatest? And you can tell how frustrated, because this is not the first time that Jesus really actually had to deal with this. They were arguing about seating arrangements not too long ago. And now, you know, do you remember that? <laughs> it's, it's the same thing. It's like, okay, well, we know who sits where, but, you know, and you gave us some answer we didn't want. But who's the greatest? Who's your favorite? And so Jesus kind of runs with that. He's like, there's only one way to get through to you guys, and I have to be extreme. And he, said, he, starts, he goes into, he starts teaching, and he said, if anybody harms you know, a, a little child or comes against them or, or, or you know, does wrong by them, it is, literally, it is better for them to have a millstone. Anybody know what I'm talking about when I say millstone? That don't fit in your pocket. <laughs> a millstone was something that uh, you, know, you, you would grind out the corn or the meal on. It was something that was massive. It, you know, it usually had a hole in the center, you know, and then you would, you would grind you know, all these things down with it, and it, no person could carry that. I mean, we're talking like 2,000 pounds of stone. Better to wring that, your neck with that and be tossed into the, into the depths of the sea than to harm one of these little children. And Jesus kind of realizes, okay, that, is, that kind of language is kind of sinking in on these guys. Let's continue. And he starts to say some important things here. He says, if your hand or your foot causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you. It is better for you to enter into life lame or maimed, which means without a foot or without a hand or both. Better for you to go into and to go to heaven like that than to have two hands and two feet and be cast into the everlasting fire. And if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you. It's better for you to enter life and go to heaven with one eye in this life rather than having two eyes and be cast into hellfire. <laughs> serious, serious business right there. I would almost consider that superlative, you know, teaching. Something so strong, something so, but, but it's important. Yeah, I thought about this while I was preparing. You don't, uh, you don't whisper that someone's house is on fire, do you? A lot of times that you're supposed to, that's not one of them. Whenever it's something as dangerous as heaven and hell. But there's a deeper meaning to what Jesus is saying. Because in the end, cutting off your hand won't necessarily keep you from sin. Plucking out your eye won't necessarily keep you on the right track, keep you from sin. The mind and the heart are where the battle will be decided. You know, and I'll tell you what, if there's one thing that I have learned is that uh, we as humans, can, we can take unbelievable damage and still not admit we're wrong. 
It's true. We, we, I have seen people have their whole, you know, the relationships crumble to dust and, and, and fall down about their ears before admitting that maybe they were wrong. You know, I've seen people quit from a job that they love and, and or, you know, be fired from it. And, and the reason, instead of just fixing the problem, I've seen it. I think you probably have too. Uh, you know, there is almost no limit to the damage that our pride will allow us to sustain in our own bodies, in our own, in our lives, as long as it's what's in control. There, there's a there's a silly old uh, old show, and it kind of it, this is so carnal, but it reminded me of this, um, where uh, the, the knight is trying to get to Camelot, and there's a, another knight who stands in the way. And they, they, they duel, they have a sword fight, and then, uh, and then for the first he cuts off you know, the, the one arm of the enemy knight. He says, all right, it's over. The duel is over. Good job. You know, you've been a worthy adversary. And he says, what this? And blood shooting out. And he says, tis but a scratch. And tries to keep on fighting. And then throughout this story, or, you know, this little scene, some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. And then he cuts off the other one. And then so he starts kicking him. The knight starts getting. And then he's down to one leg. And then he loses that one leg. And then he tries to headbutt him, and then you know, the other guy just walks away. And the famous words there in that stupid, you know, comedic scene is, "'Tis but a scratch." That is how we can be, though, before we turn ourselves over to God. Turn our I've seen people have to see their whole life crumble, take and sustain terrible, terrible things before they'll turn it over to God, before they'll turn from their wicked ways, turn from the, the direction of sin in their life. Uh, and God's just saying, how much more are you going to have to walk through before you will listen? What kind of setting am I going to have to use to drill down into the truth of my word and the turning of your wicked ways and your sin before you will understand? And God chastens those who he loves. That means he disciplines. He, he, he will cause them to have reason to turn away from their sins. And, and we can be so stubborn as people. Christians too. This is not just about those you know, who, anywhere else. What about us? Sometimes, I mean, I'll tell you what. I have prayed and sought God and fasted and begged and begged and, be and tried to turn God's will into something that it wasn't. Trying to make myself believe, trying to make God come into agreement with my decisions. We can do it too as Christians. Church, we must submit to God and His Word and His will. Jesus is not so much giving us practical tips in this passage on how to deal with sin. Oh, just cut, cut it off, cut your foot off, you know, cut your arm off, pluck your eye out. You know, the, the, he, he is using superlatives. He's trying to teach an in-depth, piercing lesson about the seriousness of following after him and rejecting the temptations of sin. And as, uh, as I just kind of picture that, you know me, I'm a kind of visual person. I'm almost done you know, teaching here tonight, but I kind of, you know, somebody, you know, you know my, <laughs> it probably wouldn't be like that. Yeah, pop in the old eye out, unless it's a glass eye. And then just cast it. And Jesus doesn't say just tear it out. He said, and then cast it away. Chuck it. <laughs> what, a, what a visual that is. You know, it's not just, it's not just you know, remove it, which is wild enough. 
And he said, not only do I want you to, not only should you remove that, chuck it as far as you can. Get that thing away from you. That is a pretty uh, violent description, right? But the point that Jesus is teaching is distance yourself from those things that cause sin, from those things that, and I thought about that. That's really what he's talking about. And that's why he very specifically says this. He says to cast it away. Says, says the same thing on, uh, when it comes to the foot and the hand too. He doesn't just say, just chop it off. He says, throw that thing. So what we're looking for is distance, distancing ourselves from the things of the world, distancing ourselves from temptation and sin, from people who lead you down the wrong path. And lastly, I, and this is kind of where I want to end it. I want to just uh, encourage you, but do a little bit of a teaching here. Uh, some of us distance ourselves from things really, really effectively um, whenever it comes to actual literal distance, like you don't go, you know, sit up at the bar and just watch shots get passed back and forth, you know, right under your nose and then deal with that temptation. I don't do that. That's not me. Um, I, I don't go, you know, to you know, some, some club where, um, you know, these things are going on. Um, I, but I do, I do need to distance myself in my mind, right? I need to distance myself in my heart sometimes. That is the difference. Because I, you know, I don't find my feet going to those places and I don't find my, you know, my feet you know, necessarily, but, but I think that whenever you have, you know, your mind is right here and things can pass that way. You don't have to go you know, uh, to, in, to all these different places for temptation to occur. Amen? The things that pass into our mind. And so I, I just wrote down a few things real quick that I want to uh, challenge you with. How good are you at distancing your mind and your heart from negative things? Every single one of us here tonight, let's ask ourselves that question. How good are you, not just at plucking your eye out and throwing it or chopping your foot off, let's talk about what Jesus really meant and what he really led up to in this story. How good are you at distancing your mind from negative things? Not just sinful things, not just wicked things. I don't really feel like that's the direction I'm going right now. I'm talking about negative things more than anything else. Things that are harmful to us. Thoughts that make you upset. How good are you at distancing your mind from things that just constantly upset you? Yeah? Sometimes, you know, we sit there, we watch the news, no matter what network it is, and just whether or not you agree with what they're saying, there's some truth. I, I'm just like, I can't stand no more of that, even if it is true. I'm just getting myself in a bad way, and I'm getting discouraged, and I'm, I'm starting to feel negative toward maybe, you know, people or things or just life, or, or I, I'm just getting in a bad way. And I know that I, you know, it's, not, it's not that I changed my opinion. I just can't take no more. Here's something I've been using recently is my, my own little verbiage. I, was, I just don't have the bandwidth for that right now. You know? I don't, I don't you know, if people, people you know, come and say this, or, you know, we, we want to talk about this, talk about something negative, and I just be like, listen, listen, bud. You know, and, and if it's somebody, you know, who needs to talk, and, you know, that obviously that's what I'm here for and I want to, but, you know, there are some things, you know, you're flipping through the channel, you see all this negativity, and be like, you know what, I don't have the bandwidth for that. 
I got people that I care about that I want to talk to. And if I'm going to hear about problems, it's going to be from where, when I can use my voice and use my encouragement and make a difference. Not just a constant showering of negativity. Where with no, with no reason and no way to change anything. No thanks. Don't have the bandwidth spiritually or emotionally for that. Thoughts that make you upset. What about thoughts that make you angry? Thoughts that make you angry. Things that just you know, stir up anger in your heart. How good are you distancing yourself from that? Or do you just let, let that baby roll? You know, let one thought go into your head and say, oh, where are we going? You're just going to go to wherever it eventually ends. And you don't cut it off. And next thing you know, you're angry. You come to church angry. Wake up angry. Go to work angry. And it affects who you're called to be. Just an angry person. There's a history, a history book. Um, they, were, they were talking about an admiral in World War II. And, uh, and he, he was just mad all the time. He was, a, he was a great soldier. but he was. And his daughter wrote this in one of his, in his memoir. Said, my father was a very even keel guy. He woke up in a simmering rage and stayed that way all day. <laughs> he woke up furious and just stayed that way. So he's very even keel. He was just angry all the He was just in a simmering rage. And said, how would you like to be married to that guy or girl? Just woke up mad, just angry. Just what, what is the, why you got to do the thing? Oh, and just no matter what it is, just finding something. Thoughts that make you angry. How good are you at distancing yourself, at casting those thoughts from you? Almost done. Well, jealousy. Sometimes you have one thought. Papa used to say, uh, you can't help a bird flying over your head, but you can keep it from making a nest in your hair. Yep. An errant thought. No one can you know, control every thought, but you can keep it from making a nest in your hair. A jealous thought. And next thing you know, you find yourself not even grateful for the wonderful blessings of the Lord in your own life. That, 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 that most of the world would, would give anything to, to step into those shoes. Remember, whenever, if you're on that ladder of life, always worried about, you know, climbing the ladder of life, of, of possessions, of material things, of these things. You know, whenever you commit yourself to the ladder of life, you'll only ever see one thing, and that's the boots of the person who's one rung ahead. Does that make any kind of sense? If you get on that comparison game, all you'll see is the person who's right above you, who's got a little bit more, who does a little better. What about thoughts? Bitter thoughts. Thoughts of bitterness about how somebody wronged you or somebody's done something wrong. And, I, and I'm not justifying what anyone has done. Sure, you got a reason. You're hurt, and, it's a gen, and you're the victim. And you know, they've done you wrong. But bitterness is like drinking poison and waiting for your enemy to die. Amen? Bitterness is like drinking poison and waiting for the enemy to die. Don't do it. Don't allow yourself to entertain embittering thoughts. And next thing you know, you were having a good day, had a good cup of coffee, felt good, hadn't felt this good in a while, and then you, you then just an errant thought, or you scroll on Facebook, you saw that person who done you wrong, and next thing you know, or the, whatever it may be, just that thought changed the whole tenor of the day, changed the whole atmosphere, changed the whole mood. Now that it's everything, and, and bitterness, cast it from you.
cut that off. Cut that thought off and cast it from you. Hopelessness. Hopelessness. Just feeling like there is no tomorrow. There is no better solution. There is no one that cares. There is nothing that you can do to change your situation. And next thing you know, you could be listening to a good worship music and just going, just, you know, walking in freedom, walking in joy. And then all of a sudden, that one thought that you chose to entertain, that thought changes everything. Cast it from you. Fear. Some of us deal with fear. Maybe not so much just being afraid of the dark or afraid of one particular thing, but just living in a constant state of lack of control, of just fear uh, uh, and anxiety of what the world is going to do or what's going to happen. And, you know, I'm, my job's going great, but I could lose it. And then where are we going to be? We got the mortgage. We got this. You know, uh, you know what, what, hap- what happened if I lose my health? I feel good today, but what about tomorrow? You know, what, what about the things that I cannot control? Cast it from you. In that sense, the Word of God says, tomorrow will take care of itself. Be in the moment. Live in victory. What about worthlessness? Just feeling like you don't mean nothing to nobody and you never will. And it it wouldn't matter if you just fell in a hole. Nobody would come looking. That is a lie from the enemy. Amen? God loves you and cares about each and every one of you. And each and every one of you are important to this body. In small ways and in big ways, it doesn't matter. Amen. Even the smallest and most seemingly insignificant members make a huge kingdom difference, truth be told. Amen. I tell you what, having worked in physical therapy, you never seen anybody struggle until they've had no pinky on their hand or on their toe or no thumb or no, even the, even the small things. You would never have imagined it, but man, what a difference it could make. I've seen, I've had to have people, I remember, you know, Bob was one of my patients. I'm not going to get you tonight. I'll get you next time. Um, but I remember this one guy, you don't remember him. He wasn't here when you was here. Um, and he, he come up to me and, uh, and shook my hand like this. And when he did, he shook my hand just like that. And I went, here, let, let him see it. I went. looking for his fingers and he only had two and I didn't know how to shake or you know how to interlace and I, I just and I and it was a horrible you know awkward in, in exchange and he set me up so he deserves it. I don't feel a bit bad but it was still super weird because I was like oh it's nice to meet you I'm Joe there he is there he's yeah two and he's like yep got it you know got it caught in some kind of machine and you got all tore up and so he just had a couple fingers he was trying to work with and so we had to go through all kinds of therapy you know why because it affected the way he drove the way he put his clothes on the way he got up in the morning and showered the way he brushed his teeth you ever try to put toothpaste on a toothbrush with only one hand it'll throw a cramp in your style you are important you matter And you may not see exactly how, but you are and you do. Even the smaller members, what important things that they can do for the kingdom. So anytime that feeling of worthlessness or disconnection 
you know, comes to you, cast it away. Cast that bitterness away. Cast those things away because it'll only do, you know, because you can cut your foot off and cast it from you, but you can still hobble into sin. Amen? You can still limp into sin. I've seen people do it. You know, and it, it is but a scratch. I can still keep on sinning. Starts in the mind. Cast away those things. Amen? And let the Holy Spirit lead you and guide you. Amen. Let's stand.